0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money in Investing Show. This week we are tackling the subject of burnout, getting towards the back end of the year, and in some challenging financial circumstances, it can make it very easy to run out of gas before the finish line. Plenty of great tips and tricks in here. Most importantly, take plenty of notes, and as always, take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money in Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co host.
1: Mitchell. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter, and as hot as you look today, we're actually going to talk about burning out, but not in the sense that you're probably thinking or our listeners are. Uh, terrible segue as always. We're going to talk about how to avoid workplace burnout. It's a real issue in today's society, especially with the online world. I feel like you can never get away from the office, but is it, there are ways to avoid that.
0: there are, and it's very topical right now. We're seeing the the great wave of resignation where people are are tired and burnt out. You just wonder as a point of reference how today's world would have handled the the Great Depression, for example. Um, But yeah, we're in a different world for sure. And I think um, those lines between the workplace and home are probably more blurred than they've ever been especially with work from home um, so yeah that workplace burnout is a very real issue for many many people uh, and uh, and one that can be very easily managed too.
1: well let's let's first jump into what maybe the definition is of burnout this will of course be different for everyone but if we just got your indication
0: in the past you've ever felt this kind of way ab well no we just spoke off camera before and I, i'll be honest with you i haven't i've been tired i've been really tired where i've i know i've pushed myself to to the nth degree, but I don't think I've ever got to that point where where I've really felt burned out. I've got colleagues, um, particularly from my time in London, that most definitely uh, have been through that. I've got one that's going through it at the moment. You know, he's been in the game as long as me, and you know, he's on probably about th- third year now of, of sort of either stress leave or, or being out of the game as he tries to regroup and move forward. So, you know, it's a very real um, issue, not just in this industry, but but in many industries for sure. So, I guess it's that feeling of. Um, of exhaustion, a a lack of motivation, being totally overwhelmed uh, by expectations of what your role might be. Um, very much a loss of enthusiasm for what you do. Um, you know, most people do a job because they enjoy it or, or they enjoy the money from it. And I guess when you lose your mojo, it makes it pretty hard to get out of bed in the morning. And then, you know, if you have a tough day on the back of that, it starts to then compound. Um, I'm sure there's a psychologist out there that'll have a, a more appropriate definition of that. As I say, it's really hard to speak to something I've not personally been through, but I've certainly seen people go through. You know, it might be interesting. If you're listening
1: to this podcast right now, leave a comment below if you've ever felt burnt out. Let us know what, what kind of feelings you have, whether it be tiredness, laziness, lack of motivation. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Mm, for sure, and it's, it
0: is, it'd be great to see because all those things are, are fixable. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into some of, the, some of that as we go through this podcast. So typically, when do we see burnout occur, AB? Is it towards the end
1: of the year? Is it if you haven't had a break or during busy times? What What's kind of the trend?
0: Yeah, I reckon over the course of a year, as you sort of came around the bend, and you know, speaking to a couple of clients over the last few weeks, they've been sort of feeling as if they have lost their mojo a little bit. Where it's like, whew, you know, we're nearly there, we're, we're not. We're, we're, there's a whole quarter to go. And if you, if you're serious as as we are about maximising your opportunities, you're going to play to the final final whistle at the end of the quarter, or you know, uh, in that run up to Christmas, just before Christmas. But um, yeah, they're, they're finding it pretty hard just to to stay on point. And if you look at the the the, the particular. Um, scenario we're in at the moment. We've had, you know, obviously a pandemic. Uh, we've had work from home. We've got an economy that's going through um, you know, a lot of structural changes and economic changes. Um, and, and all of those things individually can contribute to you know, exhaustion, chronic fatigue, whatever you might want to uh, put on it as a label. Uh, but when they're all combined like this, it is a very, very real um, issue. And I think people's bandwidth, their ability to just continue to handle the very next thing. Okay, well, that was pretty rough, what's next? And, you know, I had this conversation um, actually with our auditor uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, they're based down in, uh, in Northern New South Wales and we're talking about how businesses have handled, uh, in, in the case of Northern New South Wales, you know, the flood and prior to that, the, obviously was was pandemic and prior to that, there were the bushfires which affect rural communities. And, and so many businesses are just like, oh, I'm done. I just don't have the fortitude to come on, let's get up off the canvas and, and go around again. And as human beings we've all got a finite amount of, of fuel in the tank, you know, you could go move somewhere different and, and do something different that's maybe much, much less stressful. Not everyone gets that opportunity, and I think that's where burnout can then come in. We just try and fight it and push through. We're gonna get through this at all costs. And unfortunately those all costs can, can can be a considerable knock to your health. People who have
1: experienced this in in the worst of, of scenarios can come out, you know, pretty pretty damaged after it. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, AB, let's toss around some ideas on how to avoid burnout,
0: so we'll hmm. talk about lack of motivation, what about a goal setting system potentially? Look, I think just just going back to, to, to when burnout happens, like we're at that part of the year for sure, but I think it can be a daily occurrence to be honest with you, you start your day full of gusto and as you come around the sort of final corner, you know, you're nearly there and got to get this done and, and, and can you see it out or we'll roll that over to tomorrow, whack it in the in tray for tomorrow and, and, and move it across in your calendar or journal or whatever and so it it can be quite macro over the course of a year or even a a lifetime I suppose Um, or or it can be something that's fairly short-term and is a daily thing and these are all definitely manageable as you say uh, and we'll get into some proactive steps that hopefully help people uh, a avoid burnout and b get more out of their time if you put those two things together then I think you're in good space absolutely let's talk about setting goals what does that mean to you yeah look setting goals I think run alongside um, a level of purpose. If you if you kind of work on what's your purpose of your life? You know, have you got a, a mission statement either for you, or your business, whatever it might be. If you don't have that, then every day is just you grinding through the day to, oh, got that day done, alright, let's see what tomorrow throws up. For, it you for know, nothing. Really. Same day, uh, same old crap, you know the, the the kind of conversations you can have with people that aren't you know that that enjoying life shall we say so i think you know if you've got a level of purpose something that you're looking to achieve so whether that be through your own business or if you're let's just say for argument's sake, you're an employee let's say you're a sales rep you know to be the top performer in your state uh, on a revenue basis or repeat business basis or more referrals or whatever you've got a very clear intention so then going to work becomes a question of okay obviously if you've got a job you've got things you're supposed to do but if you've got that overarching this is my purpose is to do this everything you do is a step towards that is it's kind of like an electric motor where when you when you take your foot off the gas or well, no gas obviously but when you take your foot off the the go button the accelerator it starts to recharge and those sort of goals become self-fulfilling in that if you've got a purpose to be excellent at what you do and to be the top salesperson in your state, as you move increasingly towards that, you don't feel tired that you've been working hard to get there. You probably are tired that you've been working hard to get there. But it's so motivating that your goal is becoming a reality that it actually gives you that further fuel and the thing to do the next thing. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm going to throw
1: you under the bus here, AB. Mm. And that makes total sense, absolutely great advice for sure. What about for those high achievers out there? You work so hard to get mm. to a goal and then you do it. Mm. And all of a sudden there's this feeling of what's next. And yep. that is a very, very common time where you get lazy and you mm. start to lose motivation because what, what's then next? What's your advice in that situation? Yeah,
0: I think that's, that's a great point And we've spoken to that a few times. And I think, the key thing with goals is to make sure you set the right kind of goal and the right goal itself. And if your goal is a number, it's the wrong goal because that just becomes the metric to measure your success by. Uh, you, so, you know, if you want to make a million dollars and you make a million dollars, well, what happens next? Whereas if you uh, if your goal is broader than that, where you want to have like three streams of income that give you, you know, you know consistent income of Uh, across a variety of different channels. Um, That that just is something that refuels itself and it's very easy to just keep adding to it. It's a better quality goal than something that's maybe a numeric goal or an absolute. Ultimately, Mitch, the whole purpose of goals and goal setting, setting a goal, the purpose of it actually isn't the goal. I know this sounds kind of crazy for a lot of people that haven't heard this stuff before. The purpose of setting the goal is to give you a marker point to aim at But the actual goal is to be the kind of person that can achieve that, because once you've built those habits within what you do, that goal and bigger goals will continue to spit out because you've become the sort of person that's capable of becoming very focused on something and being very committed to something and investing a smart um, level of the right energy at the right place, at the right time for the right reasons. And any goal after that becomes something that's attainable, I think then you've got motivation, then you're looking at getting forward to the, you're looking forward to getting to the office every day. hundred percent. And that I think is a great way to avoid burnout is to look at what your goal is uh, insofar as if you're doing something you enjoy and I'm very fortunate, I love what I do. And it's easy to say, I'll just find something you love what you do, but not everyone has that opportunity. You know, my dad worked on a a production line in a car factory for 45 years and he didn't enjoy one minute of it. He enjoyed the people he worked with and he enjoyed the stability of the income. It let him, um, you know, support our family and, and everything around that, which was his goal. His goal wasn't to go to work to be fulfilled in what he did. His goal was to provide for his family, and that was the best thing he could do, money-wise, with the skill set he had. So for him, there was no danger of burnout because his goal was bigger than what he was doing. Sure. And I think you know, if you if you enjoy what you do, if you've got a, a, a something that's a, that that buzzes you when you do it, getting out of bed in the morning is easy. You can't wait to go to sleep at night to get up ready for the next day and have another crack at it. And I know that for for many people that'll just sound crazy but if you can create an environment for yourself like that life becomes much less stressful. Absolutely Mm. and I think a key to that
1: and maintaining that is the notion of maintenance and we talk about maintenance during the day for example what activities are you doing and I know you've got a few examples you want to share on that Mm. but also before and
0: after work as well really taking care of yourself to make sure you're in the right frame of mind. Look I I think segmenting the day and, and actually segmenting your year for that matter is really really important and yeah, you know, taking regular breaks, like deep breaks, over the course of the year is good. Like holidays are a really good thing. Um, I think they give you the opportunity to be in a, a different frame of mind and genuinely come up for air. And it, it comes down to circumstances, of course, it does. I find like a weekend or a week is not enough. Uh, like if you, we typically have about a month in the middle of the year and a couple of other holidays around the year, but that four month for me is a total decompression. I know not everyone gets the luxury of that. You might be able to do it over a week or two week. Everyone's different. But then also I, I run pretty yeah. hard with what I do as well, so totally. maybe I do need a little you bit of recharge. So you know, having that holiday space out through the year is I think quite important you know you get kicked off of the year you got easter to take a break at easter You the middle of the year take a couple of weeks at the middle of the year and then space something out in september and then if you've got those breaks you've got something to look forward to and if that gives you purpose to play hard up until that whistle you're not running the risk uh if you will of of, of burning out because you've got a goal we can recuperate and rest, and then go again. It's kind of like a plateau, and then you go again, and then again, and by the time you get to Christmas and have a decent break with your family, yeah, great decompression, ready to go again. Again, not everyone gets the luxury of doing that. I'm just speaking to to the circumstance that we live in, um, but yeah, that's a really great way of doing it. But that's a macro picture. That's over the course of the year. Um, Each day is obviously a component of that. And as a consequence, setting your day up where you've got defined times. And if we go back to the whole issue of work from home and how blurred that is with home life and work life balance, um, you've got to have those bookends, those segmentation rituals. So, you know, how do you kickstart the day in terms of what's your startup program um, that, you know, you get out of bed and then what? Do you get up and go train? You gonna put the kettle up, make a cup of tea, whatever it might be, um, is, is your way of kind of starting the day on your terms. Because if you can start the day on your terms where you've got this routine, boring as it may sound, what it does, it gives you a level of certainty. And human beings are really quirky. We need certainty, but we also need uncertainty and excitement. So. You know, if, for example, I did this uh, with the kids having a mess around, Uh, I don't think they found it very funny either, but we had to get them up to go to the airport the other day uh, at at sort of four in the morning, and they're used to getting up a little bit later. My son's up with me, usually about 5.30, but had to get them up at four, And, and, and they were so out of kilter because that's not what they're used to. It's a very, very good example of how important routine is. So if you've got the ability to start the day in a consistent fashion, get up, have a drink of water, a cup of tea, whatever it might be, You know, check the news, whatever is your thing, uh, in my case, checking markets. The phase two of that is your workday startup. So that's you starting the day. And again, to segment this, that's got nothing to do with work necessarily. And I think, again, this is where burnout can come from. First thing so many people do is reach over and grab their phone and check their emails. All of a sudden, your day is subject to the massive variable of what might be in your inbox. Don't check them. Just leave it alone. No one's carrying the nuclear launch codes. No one's that important. Um, Get your day started on your terms first of all, and then start your work day at the appropriate time with the right sort of um, actions as well. So, you know, in that case, your work day startup might be then, okay, I'm going to check my diary or emails or whatever it might be to work out, you know, and then look at my journal and see how I'm spending the day uh, and what I'm doing next. So, you know, if you're in sales, it might be that you've had a couple of appointments come in that I know in your calendar you didn't know about. But now you know they're coming, so they're expected. You can kind of get ready for that. If you're, um, um, if, you're, you know, if you're a surgeon, you might look at what your operating list looks like for the day. Same thing. doesn't matter what level you're playing at. There's a level of structure that then comes from it. But that's not how you're starting your day. Because if you start your day that way, the pressure of work is already on. You've got to have that time where you can smell the roses, come up for air, and have some personal time, maybe read or maybe go for a walk, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter if the dogs walk, whatever it might be. Um, you know, feed the animals, or in my case, feed the animals and the children, and interchange those <laughs> two uh, before they head off to school and so on. Uh, then you get your workday start. And at the same time, and we'll come back to that, that sort of meat in the sandwich in a few moments, what goes between the workday startup and, and the workday shutdown. And all of this work, we've spent you know years researching and tens of thousands of dollars putting together our time management and planning system, the money investing journal system, which does all this for you makes it very easy as a format to follow. So you get your work day shut down. That's the end of the work day. And then you have whatever you do after you finish work. You know, maybe the kids at home from school, family dinner, uh, read to the kids, um, catch up with your partner, get do some exercise, whatever it might be, sit in front of the TV with a couple of beers, whatever the thing is that you choose to do in the evening. And then you've got your workday day shut down. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon, the end of day shut down. So what do you do to, that's the end of the day and just control the close of the day. So it might be to reflect on the day, what was good, what wasn't, what are you grateful for? Um, Off you go, have a sleep, have a read, whatever it is, the things that you do there. So what you've got, these are called segmentation rituals and they're very important because they carve the day up into time that you can control. That's your discretionary time. And then you've got the time which is work time. And if you apply that rule, burnout becomes a far less likely outcome for you because you're still having time to come up for air. Now, what goes on between the gun going at the start line and the tape at the finish line for work, well, that's something else that can burn you out, but we'll talk about some of the little tips and tricks in there, I suppose, that can can help you survive a day. So number one is plan it out. There's nothing worse than having a day that's just all over the shop. It becomes very stressful because you just feel that you're chasing your day. So again, planning and structure is key. As much regularity as you can have is extremely important. Now, you could be in a creative role, um, and I guess my career has become more creative as it's as it's moved along, um, than, than just simply trading markets. And you have to set aside distinctive time for creativity. And if you're flogged, you're really tired, you're really stressed, you're not going to be creative because your mind keeps drifting back to that important, urgent thing that you've got to put the fire out over there. So again, creating blocks of time where you can do really good quality, deep work, without distraction, that may be creative or or, or whatever it may be, um, is key. If you're a lawyer, you might be looking at precedence. It's deep work. So one of the tools I use, I've got an egg timer, and uh, I just, depending on how big the task is, if it's a fairly small task, it might be 25 minutes and then five minutes off. And the reason for that, being able to concentrate deeply to address a problem or a challenge in itself can burn you out if you spend all day trying to do it. So if you say, right, I've got half an hour, I'm going to give this a half an hour, I'm going to come up for here, half an hour, come, it might be an hour, might be fifty-five minutes, whatever. But have a defined amount of time that's not all day working on something, because you try and work on something all day. You know, I better just check the news and see what's going on. Then it's, you're in a different Because you were doing something and then you over there and then on social media while I'm here. Oh, Bing, that was an email. Better love looking. You're all over the place. So I think, you know, setting that egg timer where you go, right, everything is turned off. There's no notifications coming in. That's my 55 minutes or 25 minutes or whatever of deep work. And then when the alarm goes off on the egg timer, that's my five minutes to browse if that's what you need to do or a really good one is just actually if you're in a sedentary role where you're sitting down you know you do your 20 push-ups or some sit-ups or 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 something that's a state changer uh, and then back on turn the clock back on and away you go and again by being able to be in control of your day i think that the prospect of a burnout is far less likely because it's that overwhelming stress which typically causes that and the more controlled and measured you can be with how your time is spent the less likelihood you're going to get that stress. That, that That's sort of the, I guess, you know, speaking to my experience, that's probably that's probably what I would say. If I can add to that, and I think that that
1: notion of feeling overwhelmed is a big contributing factor mm. to, to burnout. I think a lot of times when you're in the workplace, you can often procrastinate, push things back, and then all of a sudden it builds up, yep. then you're overwhelmed, then you're burnt out. Mm. A trick that and a tip, I guess, that, that I've learned that our listeners may be able to apply, pick the highest IQ task you have that day, yep note it down and make sure it's done before midday yep that way every single day you know that your high performance task is done you're not going to procrastinate, and then the rest of your day you mm. can focus on whatever else it is. It's only small, although mm. it it really does help.
0: I think that that notion of habit stacking, I guess, one of a better description is is really important. Prioritize the the real key things, and so yeah, within the journaling system, we have our three priorities, the big three for the day. Get them loaded in in that zone one or zone two before lunch is definitely the way because yeah, with the best will in the world, most people are a little bit fatigued in the afternoon, start to get a bit tired, and, and your attention span's gone. Plus, uh, I'm being purely selfish as a as a as a CEO as a business owner. Is that when I get my stuff done early in the morning? It's all the stuff that's important to me. As the day goes on, more and more people have had an opportunity to to speak to Jillian and try and hijack my day uh, and get themselves inserted in my, my yeah, get themselves inserted into my calendar. So as the day goes on, that stuff has to be fitted in early in the day. There's less chance of that. So again, you've got that ability to feel as at least you're in control of your time uh, through the early part uh, through the early part of the, um, the the cycle. And I think you know if you work in teams, communication is a huge thing, Mitch. You know, I mean, we we work in a a really open plan, flat management structure. So communication is easy. We just like, what's going on? We all talk about it. And it's really, and that's, I guess, the beauty of the broking industry has always worked that way. A broking floor, trading floor, big open plan area. There's no walls. Everyone can speak to everybody. Everyone can hear everybody. And it facilitates really, really good levels of communication that I don't really think are hierarchical. Because you say what you need to say, and everyone gets to hear it. And yet, some companies are much more shut the door, let's talk one on one, and then well, yeah. You know, and don't get me wrong, management's upstairs
1: or whatever. Yeah. be. Uh,
0: uh, and don't get me wrong, there are some things that are commercially sensitive that perhaps you are going to be more discreet by way of the kind of conversation you have. But in terms of day to day operations and things like that, that open style of communication is extraordinarily effective. And I think, again, burnout can come from people in teams where they've, they don't feel they can communicate either with their upline, the manager, or their employees or their colleagues, their peers, it, that that communication is kind of stymied. So if you've got someone that's not really pulling their weight, and you've got open and free communication, instead of you burning out trying to cover up for them or making uh, a cover-up for, for someone that works for you that isn't quite hitting the market, sorry, I'll show you, how to do it. I'll, leave it with me, I'll do it for you, don't worry. All of a sudden that just adds to your workload and your stress level and that probability of burnout, whereas yeah, I think a more effective level of communication can, can go an awful long way. And don't be frightened to ask for help. You know, I like, guys, I'm really struggling here. Can I get some help? And I, one of the policies that we've used a number of years ago in previous broking business was a really simple one. And that's if anyone had a trading error, there's um, multifaceted. multifaceted. Yeah. Well, so a, a, a trading error um, is if you've incorrectly placed a trade um, for a client or, Which or, can happen. Or, or on your own account and can be massively stressful because the number on that can blow out of control pretty quickly if it's a, a sizable position. And so in that moment of panic to try and close it or or take some other form of remedial action and you know, to the strict letter of the compliance rules, the first thing you gotta do is close it out. You can't trade out of it. You just got to close it there and then at the market rate. Um, but you know, people do strange things when they're under stress and pressure, thinking, oh, "I've made a loss. I'm gonna have to pay for that and all the rest of it." So they try and do the wrong thing and sort of go a little bit dark and try and trade out and all that. So the policy we brought in from a communication perspective was: if you ever find yourself in a trading error, the first thing you gotta do is hop up on top of the desk and yell out, "Guys, I've got a trading error." Everyone is going to rally around you and help fix it for you so that you're not in the stressed position of this is costing me money or or, I'm not seeing this right or what did I do wrong. The team are there to to galvanise around you and fix it. Uh, And uh, and then when it's done, you can go and buy the beers afterwards. But that's a a sort of after-work bonding thing, I suppose. Uh, And there's always a bit of banter on the back of that. But that level of communication, that transparency, uh, I've seen you know literally for 30 years in this industry and I think it's probably one of the best things about the, the financial services industry as I've worked in it is that pure up down and sideways communication where everyone's got a very clear and transparent um, view as to what's going on and they're hearing it firsthand and you know I think when you bottle stuff up that's where a lot of stress can come from and I think you know probably the number one cause for, uh, yeah, for burnout is stress. Absolutely, could not agree more. And
1: yeah. having people around you to help alleviate that as well as yourself makes oh, that, a huge that, difference. And,
0: and that ultimately, particularly your peers, they do hold you accountable. I mean, oh, it, it, there's that. sort of banter when you, well, not, uh, some great war stories over the years, We might have a Yakubat over a coffee sometime, but you know, one in particular was was an absolute ripper, and I would say he was he got rechristened, got a new nickname on the back of that, the Village Idiot. We've all done it. But, you know, the guys rallied around and saved him from probably, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in losses, by helping, you know, work it out before he did did, did did something silly. And imagine how stressed you'd be and how burned out you'd be if you you're at work and you're trying to pay a 200 grand loss off that you've just created because you weren't focused on what you're doing. Yet the team helped you fix it. Great, great outcome.
1: Absolutely. Hmm. I think there's a, there's a number of of sort of golden nuggets of advice. You've got to invest
0: be. in yourself. I mean, we talk about you know at the end of the day, like you, you have to invest in yourself, and this journey into learning is an investment in yourself. And. You can be really, really miserly. I saw an interview with Conor McGregor, actually. It's not probably someone you'd expect to hear get a mention on the money. Oh, the guy's made a pile of money, so maybe he does qualify for the money and investing side of it. But uh, one of the things he talked about was as he got more successful in his career, uh, and I know he's been sort of slammed for his spending habits, So a great quote, he's like, look, yeah, I know I'm a shopaholic, but I've got a, a really high-paying job and I'm a workaholic, so it balances out. But one of the things he started to say was that over time, he stopped spending money gratuitously, or as gratuitously, and investing more in himself with a chef, with a full-time masseuse. Uh, So his diet and inputs were always very, very good. I'm not saying you've got to go to that level, although I've got a couple of buddies that do have a chef at home and they do have a physio uh, or or a masseuse that come every day to keep them on point. And for what it costs them versus the income they're able to generate, they consider it to be a good return on, and it's their journey, it's a good return on, on, on spend but you do have to invest in yourself. And so if you are feeling stressed, book in something that's gonna be a a decompression for you, whether that be going to the movies or going to the gym. Um, what a place we saw in surfers the other day, was at the panic room, going there and smash some stuff that sort of thing. I, I can't get my head around that, but anyway, some people do. Get a book in a massage uh, or meditation course or do some yoga or, or, or go for a walk down the sea. Do, do something, but invest back in yourself because again, What's the point of all this? What's the point of anything if you don't get the opportunity to enjoy it and come up and smell the roses? If it just feels stressful, yeah. You know, it's one of the things I put on my my, my my in my in my dressing room at home. I have to have a separate one because my wife's got a lot of clothes. So I've seen that to be uh, more dry. <laughs> <She's, she's, laughs> poor thing. She's on the south side <laughs> and I'm on the on the on the north. side. is. Right. I'm on the too. south side. She's on the north side of it. And um, but one of the things I've got in my dressing room there, when I when I'm when I'm when I'm getting dressed actually and I'm old school I've got it printed off and I've got four things for the week and the one this week and last week was smell the roses and it's so important to remind yourself that and last week talk about you know burnout and stress last week for us in terms of the administrative side of the business, uh, out of the course of the year is probably our toughest week of the year because it's it, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes with an FSL that happened last week. It uh, that, that happens every year at the, at the same time. And to remind myself to come up and smell the roses was really important because I was pretty cranky and pretty stressed by my normal standards I notice, last week. did really. And I, and I put in play very deliberately to take time out to do my thing and smell the roses. And I think you have to remind yourself of that because like it's just not, you have to have some color in life, you have to enjoy it too. Otherwise, you know, you can become quite bitter, uh, quite cranky, angry, stressed, run down, and ultimately burned out. And no one wants to be in that situation. So if you've drifted close to the abyss, Maybe take heed of some of the things that we've talked about in here. Try and refocus on what your goals are because if they're realigned to give you a level of purpose rather than an outcome, you'll find that you'll be much more comfortable with the journey that you're on because that outcome may or may not happen. But if you're working toward it and the purpose is right, you'll feel like you're growing and you'll be happier and content. Coming up for air, you can't concentrate 24-7. You have to have work-life balance even with multiple companies in different time zones. I have those two brackets around my day and I'm really brutal at at managing them for the sake of me, but also for my family and uh, my wife and kids. You know, you can't be on call all the time. You have to have time out of that. And putting those barriers up is really important. And if if you feel that that's going to be quite challenging in the workplace environment you're in, that then typically comes back to communication, either with your peers or with your upline or downlines to say, listen, I'm having to get onto this at 3 o'clock in the morning to try and pick up the slack. It's not fair, it's not on, and it's got a finite timeline. I'm happy to do it for the next couple of weeks to fix the urgent crisis that we have, but this can't become the norm, and we've got to put in play um, some boundaries around this, and I want to talk to you about what we can do there. That's really open communication, which 99% of the time is going to come back with a really good outcome for all parties. I didn't realise you you're under-resourced. Look, we can do this to help you. Gotcha. And so it's about communication too. And then invest in yourself, have a bit of fun on the way through.
1: AB, great advice. That's a great way to finish too. Thank you
0: so much for today. Absolute pleasure. Anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating. And if you know someone that could benefit from learning a few tips to help them avoid burning out, make sure you share this podcast with them. It may just help them get a bit of peace of mind and get to where they want to in life.